This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. Love you guys so much. Um, if you need a Bible, because we'll use the Bible today. Let's go ahead and just use it, right? You know, um, so <laughs> I figured why not, right? You know, if you need a Bible, stick your hands inside the air. And, um, and one of our, now don't wave it like you just don't care. Just stick it in the air and stuff. <laughs> you know, you know, that club life, I'm telling you. You know, but um, <laughs> put your hand in the air and one of our very um, strong, muscular men will drop off a Bible. If you do not have one of your own to keep, you can keep that one. If you do, you can't. Right? You can just leave it and we'll pass it on to somebody else. So we've been going through the book of Psalms, and, and I love the, the session that we've been having inside of it because God has really been doing a lot of things, and we switched up just like everything and how we've been doing it, you know, how we've done communion. We stretched it up for this, this time in Psalms, even stylistically how we've been worshiping. There's songs that's been written specifically for this this, this session that we're doing in Psalms, um, we've been worshiping, you know, with different style of music, we've been, um, different style of preaching, instead of just like trying to expositorily pull everything out, you know, um, we've been trying to stick to the heart of how the, the Psalm is, and, and really just trying to draw a deeper look into the Psalm, and it's been really good and real refreshing. Today we're going through Psalms 19, so you can open up your Bibles or your iPads or your phones to that point. And if you will stand with me, I'd love to read through Psalms 19. Again, the reason why we stand is in honor of the great God that we serve who authorized the word of God. It's in honor of him that he is God and this is his word. So we stand in reverence of him. I'll read through. You can read with it yourself, or you can just close your eyes and imagine um, and think about the words as we, we go through this. Psalms 19, this is to the choir master, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and Night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them, he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, Enlightening the eyes, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. 
The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock, my redeemer. And the congregation says, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I love this text. I love this, this psalm. It's, to me, it's so, so rich, and it puts so much perspective on a lot of things. David is writing this psalm, and it's a, it's a song that he's writing for the choir master to sing, and he's writing the psalms out. And he starts off with both verse 1, and he says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies above proclaims his handiwork. Declare, proclaim. It means to make known or to state clearly, to announce emphatically. He's looking at the heavens. He's looking at the sky, and he says, they're proclaiming the goodness of God. They're proclaiming his glory. He looks into creation, and, and when he looks into creation, what he hears is the glory of God being proclaimed through the beauty and the awesomeness of creation in and of itself. And he's awestruck by it. It's humbling to him. And he's, he's writing these things out, thinking about how God is displayed throughout creation. How creation is just lifting him up by being what it was created to be. He looks into the sky where he sees no end and there's, there's, there's no end to it and the greatness of the reality that there is no end to the sky. You look, and I can't see where that sky ends, and that reality in and of itself is proclaiming how great God is, how huge God is. This is what he sees. He goes on to verse 2, and he says, Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. He hears creation speaking about God's glory day after day after day. This is what he feels. This is what he sees. He hears creation speaking about how glorious this God is day after day after day. And it's not like this occasional comment here and there that we may have. It's more like a broken faucet. He said it's pouring out like a broken faucet, pouring out water. He hears speech about the glory of God pouring out of creation day after day. Night after night, he hears the heavens revealing knowledge of the glory of God. This is what he sees just by looking out at creation in and of itself. verses 3 and 4 he says 
There is no speech, nor are there words. He's talking about creation. He's talking about creation, glorifying God, speaking about God by just being what God created to be. He says, there is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all of the earth and their words to the end of the world. No matter how loudly I proclaim the gospel, if I went out and got a soapbox with a horn, no matter how loud, no matter if I got a, a, a speaker box, no matter how big the speaker box was, my voice would fail. Eventually the sound waves would die off and somebody still wouldn't hear. No matter how loud it is, I can't speak so loud as to everybody hears it. And there may be places or persons that have never even heard the gospel preached before. They never heard someone come and break down the gospel to them. But he says, there is no place on the earth where the voice of creation declaring the glory of God is not heard. No place. Throughout all of creation, there is no place on the earth where the voice of creation screaming out loud that God is glorious and worthy to be praised. There's nowhere on the earth where it's not heard at. Romans 1, verses 19 through 20, Paul says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, has been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the thing that has been made. So there are, they are without excuse. Creation has been lifting his name up. In Luke 19 and 40, Jesus is walking with his disciples, and as he's walking with his disciples, they're, they're lifting up his name, they're glorifying him, they're exalting him, and they're praising him as he's walking with his disciples. And then there's these group of Pharisees, they're like, can you tell your disciples to just turn it down a bit? Like, it doesn't have to be all of that, right? And he's telling me, can you tell your disciples to not worship you so much, not exalt your name so much? And Jesus turns around and he says, Dude, if they didn't do it, the rocks would cry out. The very rocks would. The Pharisees were trying to silence the disciples' declaration of Christ's majesty, their proclamation of his glory. And Jesus is like, you're missing the point here. They're only doing what the rest of creation is already doing. You can silence them, but you can't silence them. You're missing it. Just that you don't hear them. You do like we do. You drive back and forth to your job and to church and to do this and to do that. And you miss creation screaming out how glorious God is day in and day out. Drive right by those trees saying, God is good. It's like someone speaking loudly through body language, but you don't hear them because they weren't using words because you think hearing is only done with the ears. Yeah. 
And he continues talking about the worship that is happening through our creation. He continues talking about how the clouds are worshiping and the stars are worshiping and the entire heavens is worshiping. And then he's talking about it. He says, in them, verses 5 and 6, in them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber and like a strong man, runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and a circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful because he sees creation, and creation talks to him about God. He doesn't just see a nice tree. He doesn't just see a big sun, but it makes him think about God. Even the way the sun rises and sets, heating the earth along the way. He looks at that and he sees the sun proclaiming the glory of God. David gets it. He gets it right here. He gets it. He hears everything in creation proclaiming God's glory. Everything. He sees True worth in everything that was created, reflecting in how that created thing points back to its glorious creator. This is what he sees. This is what is moving him. This is what is impacting him. So as he, he writes these psalms down, he's writing and he's, he's writing it down and he's thinking about all these things that he sees and what is making him think about God and his glory. And he says, the heavens declare the glory of God. He wasn't talking about angels with harps right here. In this context, the word heaven is used to describe the sky that we see during the day and the universe that we see during the night. This is what he means when he talks about heavens. The the great day sky where we find no end from east to west, declaring the glory of God. Complemented by the depths of the night sky where you see planets and stars. A depth greater than the mind can comprehend that speaks fathoms about a God that's even greater. Like if he's creating galaxies and stars and planets and he's creating all these big things, then how big must he be? A God that creates galaxies to worship him? And sing praises to him. David starts this psalm off and he's awestruck about the reality of, of creation and how creation is lifting up the name of God. But then David's psalm takes this hard left. And he starts writing and singing about the word of God now the laws and commandments of this great God that all the creation is singing about, who loves us dearly, who created us out of all creation, us in his image, in his likeness. It takes this heart left and he goes from 
talking about how all the creation is speaking about God to how he values how God himself speaks. How he values the law, which is the word of God. It's one thing to hear all of creation glorifying this awesome God. That's one thing. But it's another thing for him to personally teach us. This awesome God to personally teach us by his words. Thinking about this glorious God of creation causes his mind to go into the words of that glorious God. And this is what David says about his word. Verses 7 through 9, this is what he says. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. He puts these six lines out. But if you notice, in each one of these six lines, you you start to notice a pattern here, though. He's thinking about the word of God, and, and, and as he writes, each one of these lines, there's this pattern here where he gives the, the word of God, he gives them titles, then he gives them attributes, and he talks about the result of submitting to the word of God. Here are the titles that he gives to the word of God. The law of the Lord. The testimony of the Lord. The precepts of the Lord. The commandments of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, and the rules of the Lord. He gives these six titles to describe the word of God. Then he gives these attributes that that talks about their characteristics, how it is. He says, he calls them perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, True. You look at this and you see that David had this extremely high view of Scripture, extremely high value of Scripture. Perfect, pure, clean, true, extremely high value of Scripture. And then he gives these six results of submitting to the Word of God. It revives your soul, bro. It revives the soul. It makes the wise... It makes wise out of the simple. It rejoices the heart. It enlightens the eyes. It gives insight. It gives you the strength to endure. He says, man, these are the results of the word of God. Submitting to the word of God, these are the results. And I'm writing this thing, and then I start, I'm studying it, I'm reading it, and I'm thinking about how blessed I am to be serving with the people that I serve with. I mean, let me make this statement. All of the elders at this church and all of their wives have an extremely high view of Scripture, high value of Scripture. All of them do. It's humbling to be with a group of people like that. 
every ministry head in this church has an extremely high value of Scripture. Every deacon in this church has an extremely high value of Scripture. And the people that volunteer and they serve because of their high value of Scripture. Listen, so I can stand here and I can testify on the behalf of them that that what David has to say here about the result of Scripture is true. I mean, really, it's reviving to my soul. Like, when I feel dried up, Scripture revives me. Really, it does. Really, in my simple way of thinking, the Word of God makes me feel wise because who it comes from. Really, at times when things seem chaotic and hurtful, there are these times where the Word of God rejoices in my heart in the midst of calamity. I know this to be true. Enlighten into the eyes, insight to things I would otherwise be blind to. The strength to endure, really, these things are the results of the word of God. And I'm thinking about this. And I can't help start thinking about the different avenues that we try to provide as a church for people to receive that very same word of God so they can be beneficiaries of those very same results. Like, we have a kid church that's saturated in the word of God, the gospel. Our RSU team that points people back to the word of God, the gospel. Weekly community groups that talk about the gospel, the word of God with each other. Monthly classes that are centered around the gospel and application to life. We have discipleship classes like Encounter and Surgeon, and we have men's Bible study every Monday, and we have classes that focuses on sexual abuse from the perspective of the gospel. Gospel-centered marriage counseling. General purpose counseling centered around the gospel, and even while our RCs are on break, We come together still for more ways to come around the gospel. And we try to make it easy. If you can't show up because of childcare and circumstances, you can even log in online and you can get this word of God. And I'm like, you start thinking about the on-ramps that you try to provide. And we're like, it hurts your heart when you see sometimes the ones that need these on-ramps the most are the ones that make the most excuses to not utilize them. Start to pray, God, give them a higher view of Scripture. Let them see that these same results that David is talking about applies to cultural issues in society. It applies to marriage. It applies to finances. It applies to issues in your personal life. It applies to politics, parenting, singleness. I pray that you will move in their heart to see that it applies to all of life. And you're missing out. Normally it's because this is low value of scripture. When I say low value of scripture, lower than what you personally believe, right? You're like, I'm I'm sort of good. Lower than what you personally believe. Thus you're trying to work things out in your own strength, in your own wisdom. Notice these these following verses, 11 through 13. 
He says, moreover by them, talking about the word of God, moreover by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. You notice the difference in these verses? For the first time in this psalm, he starts talking about sin. When he talks about creation, he talks about the glory of God being proclaimed. When he talks about the word of God, he talks about the greatness and the goodness of God. When he talks about himself, that's when the conversation of sin has to come up. When contemplating the glory and greatness of God, it reveals a great need for the grace of God. He's not naive about this. That's not what's going on here. He's very transparent. He's not trying to fix things himself. As a matter of fact, in verse 12, he says, who can discern his errors? Like sometimes you read this and you think that he's talking about God when he says, who can discern his errors? God has no errors. He's not talking about God. He's talking about himself. In 11, he acknowledges the word of God warns us and that there's a benefit to living a life submitted to the word of God. Then in 12, he says, but when it comes to heeding those warnings and living this thing out, my heart is deceptive. And there are areas in my heart that are so dark that I can't see how far down they go. Who can discern his sins? Who can discern them? He's humble enough to know that we don't know how jacked up we are. I mean, whatever you're willing to admit, you're worse than that. As a matter of fact, that thing that you're not willing to admit but you know is there, you're worse than that too. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Faults that are hidden from who? Me, declare me innocent from hidden faults, faults that are hidden from myself, faults that are hidden from my own eyes. I don't know if you noticed the course of this psalm. I don't know if you noticed that it changed from the tone, the tone of the psalm changed from him talking about God to him talking to God. I can just picture this inside of my mind. Now, I'm not saying this is what actually happened because obviously I wasn't there, right? I wasn't, trust me. But I could just picture this in my mind. David possibly looking into the sky and he starts writing about God and, and creation and he's just oh, so broken up about how all of creation is glorifying God and he's just writing this down. Man, the stars, the sun, oh gosh. The setting, the rising, and he's just writing this down. And then as he starts thinking about creation, glorifying God, it causes him to start thinking about the word of that God creation is glorifying, the laws of that God in creation. 
So the course of the song starts to change a little bit from how creation glorifies him to how good his word is. And you go, oh man, the word is so good. Your laws are so good. And he's writing it down and he starts describing the word of God and he starts giving titles and attributes and he's like, perfect and, and true. And, 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 and he starts writing about all the good benefits of submitting to the word of God, man. Revival, wisdom, insight, joy, endurance, and then it hits him. If all of creation is exalting him and his words are so good and so beneficial, then why are you not submitted to him? He gets a glimpse of the depths of a depravity and he says, who can discern his own sin? And the song changes from praise to prayer. A prayer for walking out the word of God so that you can glorify him like the rest of creation does. Declare me innocent from hidden faults, sins that I don't see, Lord. I need you to declare me innocent from those things Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins, sins that I do see. I know this is sin. I know that it's wrong. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. He acknowledges if it's sin that he does see and he's repeatedly doing it, he may be in bondage. Let them not have dominion over me, Lord. Then, then I shall be blameless and innocent, a great transgression. I love that he goes there, though. I love he doesn't just, he says, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Like, the picture comes to my mind is that these things, the sin he wants to do, and he said, Lord, hold me back from them. My flesh Hold me back. Keep me back from the sins that I would willingly commit, knowing that they're wrong. Lord, I'm asking you to step in and keep me back. Rescue me from sins that I don't even realize are there, Lord. He's not talking about how strong he is. He's not talking about how I got this under control, Lord. But instead he's saying, listen, I need you, Lord, to step in and do these things. Because if you don't, it's about to go down. If you don't, Lord, I won't be saved. If you don't, I will do it. I need you to keep me back. I need you to rescue me from sins that I don't even realize. I need you to do this inside of my life, Lord. I'm hoping that we look at David writing this psalm and we see ourselves. We see our great need for God. We see all of creation exalting this huge God. We see his word that we know is jewels. They're so beneficial. And we see ourselves. The one things in creation created in his image and likeness having the most struggle reflecting his image and likeness, having the most struggle reflecting his glory throughout all of creation. I love the fact that nowhere in there does he say, 
I can do it. Everything is rescue me, keep me back, do this, do that. Only then. Only when you do a redemptive work inside of my heart, only when you do a redemptive work inside of me, only then can I glorify you the way that I was meant to. This is how we should be when we see the glorious God exalted throughout all of creation and it should make us just, man, I want to dive into his word so I understand more about this glorious God. And then diving into his word and seeing his glory being made manifest to us through his word, it should make us desire him so much more so that we are humbled at the reality of, listen, his grace. He closes out this, this, this song, this, this song turned prayer. He says, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock, my redeemer. There's no assumption here that I deserve a thing. But it's your grace is by your grace, Lord, that you will deliver me. It's by your grace that my words reaches your ears. It's by your grace that someone like me that's undeserving, but so much glory has been given in me reflecting you, Lord. I need you to do it. I need you working inside of my heart so that I can display you to everybody else. I need you working inside of my heart that I can worship you. Because left alone, I'm going to worship me. He says, oh Lord, my God, acknowledging who he is, his relationship to him, my God, oh Lord, my God, my rock, his strength. His strength. Oh, Lord, my God, my rock, his strength. This is where I draw my strength from, solid like a rock. My redeemer, you are the one that delivers me. You are the one that makes me brand new. You are the one that cleans me up and and, and sets me on solid ground. It's all about you. He knows exactly What needs to happen here? Deep deliverance from God so that he can worship him more so. He starts off worshiping him, but as he thinks about worshiping him and he thinks about the context and he thinks about everything else worshiping him, he starts to realize, man, I need you. I mean, I thought things was good, but there's these hidden sins and there's these things that I do and You are deserving of all the praise. I need you to work inside of me and to deliver me from these presumptuous sins. This whole time doing these psalms, our hearts and our mindset is to draw us back to the heart and mindset of how these psalms was written. A sense of brokenness, a sense of 
relying on the spirit of God, relying on God living inside of you. That we look into creation and we see the God of creation. We just don't see another tree or another mountain. But that mountain makes me think about God. When you read the Bible, there are a lot of things inside the Bible where, where they use examples of creation to talk about the glory of God. We think things start and stop with us. And we miss out so much on how we are just these little beings on this planet in a galaxy created to worship him. And we miss it. As we go forward, I want us to continue in the same heart and posture of prayer. What we've been doing this whole time, we've been having people that's been praying about and reading over these same psalms. We have a couple of our deacons that are going to come up, David and Heather Willis, and they're going to lead us in prayer. And I'm praying that as they're praying that you are meditating on the word of God. You're meditating on the words that are being said in the midst of the prayer. That you're allowing them to hit your heart and penetrate your heart deeply. As it penetrates your heart that you're, and you're thinking about him and who he is. You may want to stand, you may want to sit, you may want to get on your knees, but whatever it is, allow this time of prayer to, to impact you. Then after they're done praying, we're going to spend some time worshiping together. And then we're going to go into a time of communion, and we're going to take communion together as a family, all of us, because all of us were created to worship him. creation speaks your name, O oh God. It speaks without words. It shouts through the day as the sun runs its course. It whispers through the night as the moon and the stars say, know me. Know me, the creator. Know me. Know my precepts, my ways. They are sure, perfect, right, and pure. O oh Lord, O oh God, revive my soul. Any rejoicing, any understanding, any wisdom is found in you, is gained in reverence of you. It gets real simple. Have I set my desire on you? Have I placed greater value on your commands and ways than anything else? Have I deceived myself? Search me, O oh God. You know me. Keep me. I am prone to wander, to become presumptuous, as if I have any wisdom apart from you, as if I can live with a divided heart under your rule, yet dominated by the rule of hidden sin. Keep me, O oh God, save me. May I be wholly yours, wholly submitted. May my internal thoughts and meditations 
flow out of a life wholly open to you. May my words flow out of a heart wholly passionate for you. And may the two be wholly integrated and pleasing to you. You are my God. You are my rock, my foundation. You are my redeemer. You are the great and glorious God, the author of all creation. And you are creating in me to this day. I am yours. Psalm 19 has stirred and affirmed some things in my heart and drawn me to remember others. Three descriptive pictures seem to resonate from Psalm 19 as I mused over it the last few weeks. World, word, and heart. World, word, and heart. This psalm has caused me to look at this world it has challenged me to not miss the nonverbal communication from the author of the universe. Next, his word, his verbal communication to us so we can know him and experience him. David reminded us of the great power in his word to do amazing work in our lives. Our hearts, my heart, has so easily allowed me to miss the beauty of this world and the tastiness of his word. A prayerful response to Psalm 19. Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer, Lord, give us eyes to see the testimonies of your universe. It is clear Stop denying. Stop resisting. Slow down. Look. Enjoy. Don't be mistaken. We're all without excuse. I have no excuse, Lord. You are. You are. Your work like no other. Son, stars, skies, constant communication from you, Father. Let no one miss it. And do not let us worship it, but set our affections on the one who authors it. Help us stop and see your glory. Your artistic hand is everywhere. I have missed it so often, seeking delight in other pleasures. Forgive me, Lord. Now, I can hardly wait to watch you reveal your canvas, the sky, as you paint a unique sunset daily. It causes worship and awe in my soul for the one who is. But you did not stop there. You gave us your written word. I used to just see words on a page. Now it's food for my soul. Day after day you nourish me. First milk, now meat. I used to chase pleasures, trying to find peace and satisfaction around every corner. Now the good life is found in you, Jesus. 
feasting on your word, knowing you, shalom, peace be still. Oh, the storm rages at times, but you calm your child's heart in the storm, and sometimes you choose to calm the storm. I find in your word what I cannot find in money or food. Your word makes my soul alive again, makes me secure. Your word gives me wisdom to live. It validates me. Your word makes my heart joyful, even when life is hard. Your word ushers in sight. Lord, help us. Help us receive and believe. Your word is forever consistent. Oh, I mess up. But you've shown me. You've shown me how to come near. Your word has revived my sad, rebellious heart countless times. And I am confident when needed, it will again and again. Yes, 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 I have experienced it over and over. And I am experiencing it now, Lord. I can't get enough. Your written word is sweet to my soul. Lord, what comes out of this mouth and swirls around in this heart, make it good and right. Turn this heart from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh so that I can enjoy seeing your glory. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer.